0: It has been 278 days since we've experienced Arizona football, and that all changes this Saturday. Arizona is set to open up its season against NAU here at Arizona Stadium at 7 o'clock. And with a new football season comes season three of the Wildcat Rundown. However, it's going to look a little different this season. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a player or coach to get to know who they are beyond football. We'll be talking about their journey as well as their interests and hobbies. And you guys will also have a chance to ask them questions. So make sure you're keeping up with our Twitter account to see who the next guest will be and dropping your questions below. I'm super excited to announce our first guest of the season. He's one of the newest additions to the coaching staff, but he has the most experience when it comes to coaching college football. Coach Dwayne Aquina, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today. Thank you for
1: the invitation.
0: (laughs) Of course. And this is your 42nd season of coaching college football. Can you believe it?
1: No, I can't. But uh, I'm excited to be able to tell the tale one more year.
0: When was it exactly that you knew that you wanted to coach college football?
1: Well, it was probably when I went back home after I graduated from the University of Washington. Um, You know, maybe like some young college graduates, really not sure what I was gonna do. So living in Hawaii is at the beach quite a bit. and, And, you know, my brother was a Worked down a restaurant, bartender down in Waikiki. So he said, hey, we got an opening. I said, great, what is it? He said, it's a dishwashing job. Perfect, that's what I need right now. So that's what I started doing. And in the day, I had learned so much football being at the University of Washington with Coach Don James. You know, I was there from 75, 78, went to the Rose Bowl with Warren Moon. And you know, I was his roommate. I was a backup quarterback for Warren and learned a lot of ball. So I thought an opportunity to give back To the kids in Hawaii so I just called Bob Wagner who was a GA at UW if I could just sit in on their defensive meetings because I've been a quarterback all my life I just wanted to learn something about defense and then maybe get a high school job somewhere and help teach and then they said sure so that's what I did during the day I came down and just got there at 7 a.m just hung out with them sat in all the staff meetings talked football and then coach told just said hey why don't you come out and spring ball because Bob Wagner can't throw a ball to save his life, so primarily it was to throw ball drills to the guys. And then one thing led to another. Dick said, hey, I can't pay you next fall. I'll give you my radio uh, money that he does for his radio show. And so I was a volunteer coach. But I really knew after that first spring, what I did miss was just a connection with the players. A lot of the guys that were there, uh, I knew, because. We played around the same time, you know, that we're on the team. But telling the stories, being at practice, the competitiveness, and you know, I'm very competitive by nature. I found at that time, this is what I want to do. And Coach Tony was just such a great start. And I can't say enough that if I've had any success in this profession and the experiences that I've had that I've been able to share with my family over the 42 years with bowl games and all those experiences, I owe it all to Dick Tony.
0: When do you feel like you truly fell in love with football when you started playing or you started coaching
1: yeah very early my dad never let me play football Um, he was always concerned about the injuries i guess that part but um you know i played basketball and baseball and that was my first love was baseball and then basketball and i started football when i was in eighth grade and um Mm -hmm. Then I started getting into motocross. I got into, we yeah, had dirt bike riding. And I went in and told my older brother that I think I'm gonna walk away from sports and just be the next great dirt bike rider from uh, the islands. And they didn't say no way. Cause they think, I think they saw a future. And then once I got in there as a sophomore, I started and, um, then Football really started connecting, but my first love has always been basketball, and that's why I chose Washington, is because they were the only school that was recruiting me that let me play both basketball and football in college. Wow, yeah!
0: And you played all four years, both? No, I, you- I played my
1: first year at UW um, under Marv Harshman, and then competing with Warren Mee- Moon, we were in the same recruiting class, and so I knew now, hold on now, I'm in. Yeah, you can't be a part-time guy trying to compete with him. And so then after my first year, I dropped and just focused in on football. But I always saw myself that becoming a... I wanted to be a basketball coach, really, oh, not a football coach. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah.
0: That's funny. And then... We talk about your 40 plus years experience in this game, but out of the practice field, it almost feels like it's your first day on the job every day. I don't think we've gotten a single media appearance from our players and coaches where they haven't mentioned you by name of the contagious energy and the passion that you bring. How do you refill that tank each day?
1: Well, I appreciate that. You know, uh, maybe a little bit. start a little bit I remember it resonating now that's my nature naturally I I'm just always you know upbeat once I get in between the white lines for me it's recess you know the bell rang and you know I get to go play but uh, Dick told me you always say players are a mirror of your coach if you're going to coach with your hands in your pocket your, pe- your players will be lower energy level and so if you're upbeat you're moving and enjoying the game while you're out there you, you're your players will mirror that and that always stuck with me but it was very easy because i just really like i've said uh, i've been blessed that i fell into a profession that is a hobby that is a passion and and you know back when i started you didn't get into this to make money you know coaching was not a very financial you know my first contract was $17,000, and I thought it was $17 million, you know, because I had a full-time job and I was loving every second of it. But um, it's just a chance. And the other thing I think is important for me, at least, I get to work with young players that are still in the developmental stages of their life. You can still affect lives and help them make decisions and be the parent away from home and and then help them... It's a real joy when I see them reach their childhood dream. And for me, it's just to reach your potential as a player or as an individual by the time you leave these four walls. And if we're lucky enough, you'll get an opportunity to go on and play. And that's a real joy. So that's a big part of the enjoyment of me being out there that I can help maybe a young man develop in some small way, not only on the field, but off the field, too, and then down the road. You know, I, I, I think what made Arizona football, doing those Dick Tomey eras from 87 to 2000, carried it with me to Texas and Stanford, is that's who we were. The whole desert swarm was, we were gonna attack the football. And so us coaches needed a coach with that energy too, because it was gonna fall off onto the players, the Brandon Sanders, the Brewskis. Not that they needed help, now; They were passionate by, when they first stepped on the court, but, um, that was all part of that exercise, too, is let's coach them hard. But if you're going to coach them hard, love them hard, too.
0: What is your all-time favorite Arizona football memory?
1: Football memory, man. There there, there be a few, but um, I think maybe the 16-3 win over the University of Washington in 92, um, being, you know, one of my – coaches and there were others on the staff with the Don James that team the University of Washington coming in number one in the country and um, we just had a bunch of blue-collar guys they had beat us in in 91 when they were all freshmen you know when they were younger pretty handily it was at 90 Um, but then to come back when Teddy and all these guys were matured and to win of an outstanding University of Washington team and beat them handedly now. It wasn't close. It wasn't that close. And then the fans rushing on the field and I had a young family and Donna and them were on the field and Allie was what, two or three years old. We had to grab them, lift them up and stand on the bleachers, you know, to get to a safe, we were going for high ground now. And just watching all the students enjoy the victory much like we did, and then Coach James just congratulating me on a job well done it meant a lot.
0: You mentioned your family. You're a father of five. Yes. So I'm interested in hearing what is your best piece of parenting advice for young coaches?
1: You know, I, I think I, I think, and this is why one reason why I hadn't moved around very much, uh, as you've noticed, I've really been. I went home to Hawaii to start it, but I've really been three places in 42 years, which is unusual in this profession. But I was blessed to be with a coach like Coach Tommy, Coach Brown and Coach Shaw that understood the family element. And um, to be able to spend time with your children, take them to school, do things that parents take for granted that you know we, uh, we don't. And uh, so those are the joys of me doing that because like I shared, we turned down a lot of great opportunities, me and my beautiful wife, Donna. But how do you put a dollar value on the fact that I can do that? I can throw batting practice um, to all-stars. Well, here's another great football story. Dick told me. So Kaino's playing all-stars. He's what, on the 12-year-old team up there at Arthur Pack. And I usually threw BP but we had a staff meeting during practice. So I called Dick and I said, Coach, you know, Kainoa's got batting, we got all-star practice today. I got to go throw BP. Do I have to be at this staff meeting? He says, oh, heck no, you know, go throw batting practice. Make sure you're throwing them some breaking pitches too now. They just don't give them only fastballs. But to, to make sure you're involved with your children, all those little things. So sometimes as coaches, we spend more time with other people's children than your own. And this game can eat you up. You can be in this office all night long, you know, but get home, have dinner, read bedtime stories to them. And if there's one thing myself and, and Donna did right, is our, our kids are very connected with each other. And um, That would be the main thing. Don't chase the dollar, don't chase the resume. If your children are in a great spot, you love the staff you've been working with, um, I would say that's a bigger value than a resume or another dollar.
0: Some of our Wildcat family submitted some questions for you. So I'll jump into those now. The first one comes from Nicholas and he asks, what are the top three things that make you come back year after year to coaching?
1: I think the players, you know, would probably be the first being around the players and the coaching staff, just that comradeship you have in the locker room sharing stories. Um, you know, people ask me and I say, "Well, I'm a drug addict i'm I'm hooked to the adrenaline of Saturday prior to the game. you can't You can't get that anywhere else to me, and then a victory, a victor's locker room, you know, all the time and effort you spent into those 60 minutes, you know, all year long, you just, and for us, we're getting 13, hoping for 14 opportunities. We're not like a baseball or basketball, or one of these teams, we've got so few opportunities. Um, so I think uh, I, I think that's another one, and just the opportunities to, either through recruiting to meet other families, other people, uh, alumni, you know, just being able to connect with, other people and, and find different values and you know just sharing ideas, I think would be the three main ones.
0: Next one comes from Eric and he asks, what are the similarities and differences since you were last on staff?
1: Um, facilities, number one. <laughs> and this for example? <laughs> uh, yeah, this for example, I'm not even sure. Well, you know, we'd go outside and do this interview under the palm tree over there. Um, but you know, our football field was just at South beach. That's all we had. It wasn't even a hundred yards long and, and, and we won a lot of games and there were other teams with better facilities, but you know what Dick we used to always talk about, Hey, it doesn't matter if you're looking for bricks and mortar, go to this university. But if you're looking for people and a great experience, let's sit down and talk. So I would say the facilities would be number one. Uh, side speed of athletes. Uh, it's so much more special training. Um, I think having your own facility is a neat thing, but I really love being in McHale where all the athletes were there. We had a chance to interact with Sean Elliott and Steve Kerr when we. Anaska Sorensen, you know, all these other great athletes and coaches, you know, Lute Olsen and Dave Rubio and Fred Harvey and, you know, uh, Rosborough and, and Jerry Kendall. I mean, some of them, Mike Andrea. So we are all under the same roof. So, you know, I, I think those days I really embrace because now I think sometimes football, basketball in these separate facilities, there's a little entitlement there that you know I, I know you have to do it with the nature of the game now and recruiting but that's one of the things that I think are one of the biggest differences from when I was master
0: and last one comes from John what has changed most in secondary concepts in the last 35 years of football
1: well offenses are much different now you know the toughest formation to cover down now It's two backs in the backfield because you don't see it anymore. You know, everything is one back or no backs. The speed of the game has picked up. Um, Offensive concepts now, because of formations, are much more spread out. They spread you out horizontally, sideline to sideline, and the passing game now is much more vertical, so you have to cover much more of the field. So you have to play more defensive backs, five, six DBs, and, You know, for 42 years, I've coached all six of them. This is the first time I've kind of had a room that, you know, that there's other secondary coaches. I would say the quarterbacks now, back in the day, you didn't have the athletic quarterbacks. But when I moved to offense, that was always one of the biggest things. That was the reason of the recruitment of Keith Smith, who is really the original Johnny Manziel. I mean, his legs and his ability to throw the ball was just really unique. And uh, I give credit to Danny White and Richard Smith when I went, uh, Richard Dice, that they really started developing a passing game here. And then, and then Keith took off. But the quarterback's legs is another one that's really different the game. And then all the up-tempo offense, you know, get on the ball right now, which really stresses you defensively.
0: Did you watch the recent Johnny Manziel documentary? Have you seen it yet? I
1: have not, but I want to because I was recruiting Johnny, you know, uh, when I was at Texas. And the big story was we had already signed a quarterback and I had four scholarships to give and Johnny was just an unbelievable player. So I just said, well, I'll give you one of my scholarships as a defensive back to take Johnny. And so then the thing was, cause I had taken a lot of offensive players and, and made them to defensive backs. And so they got, you know, Keena wants to make that Manziel a DB. I said, no, no, no. that's." That's not it at all, but he was uh, – I, I need to watch it. I bet you that was interesting. It
0: was a great, yeah. And he mentions his love for UT, too, in the beginning.
1: He would have walked to UT. That's what was crazy. And, um, you know, that last Texas-Texas A&M game, every now and then I share these with the, the officials when they miss a call because uh, Sher- Mike Sherman was the head coach there and, and, and Coach Rossi, all good friends of mine, came down from Green Bay when they had Richard and Johnny. So after that game, Justin Tucker makes the field goal with no time left. We win. They let that coaching staff go. And then now this new staff comes in, coaches Johnny Manziel. They all got head coaches jobs, head coaching jobs now. And great coaches are fired, you know? So I tell those guys, calls like that, you know, my daughter in the second grade loves her second grade teacher. Shoot, she could be moving. The one official had a good story. You looked at me. You don't have no second grader, Coach. <laughs> well, then that was my granddaughter that's going to have to move if you <laughs> keep making calls like that.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for your time, uh, Coach. Uh,
1: I appreciate it. Sorry to take up so much of your time. All I got now are stories at my age.
0: Well, we love hearing your stories. And thank you to all of our fans who also submitted questions.
1: I appreciate that, too. Look forward to everybody coming. Um, you know, coming up against NAU, you know, be early where your favorite Wildcat colors. I can't wait to sing "Bear Down." It's been 20, 20 plus years now. I still remember the words, though.